All right, all right, all right. Welcome in to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We are right fresh after 4th of July coming in here, so I hope you guys had a very good vacation. But it's time to get back to talking hockey. We're going to be doing free agency. What is the lineup shaking out like? Dev Camp and the NHL draft picks. Get in the chat, like, and subscribe. Hey, let's go. Right, guys. Well, we are back. Uh, I hope everybody had a great holiday. You guys, uh, you guys have some fun out there, or what? Yeah, as you can see, I got a little son who's out in Columbus, Ohio. I have a, a cousin. <laughs> so okay, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Yeah. So you left LA to get son in Columbus, Ohio. Did I hear that right? You did. You did. So yeah, I have a cousin that lives in a on a place or in a place called Buckeye Lake. Out in Columbus, it's about a half mile east, and really nice area. I mean, it's a big man-made lake. Uh, he's got we do you do all the lake stuff, boats, jet skis, mm-hmm. hang out, and all that stuff. But yeah, it's a good time out there. But it's it's nice to be back home. How you how you fellas doing? Good. I've I've never actually been to Columbus, but I've heard nothing but great things. Like, and it's an underrated city. Yeah, great um, people. people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's. Were you oh, were you part of the return for Jonathan Quick? Why you were out there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, no, good, good though, Randy. Good though, like a uh, little bit of a you know light Fourth of July with the with the two young ones. They don't make it up that late, so all you do is put them to bed and then just hope that they don't wake up from the fireworks. So that you just you just cross your fingers once you put them down and hope for the best. So it was good though. It was good. Kyle, how you doing? Good. Um. Just really don't do much Fourth of July. Just sit in, watch some baseball, and unfortunately, the Dodgers couldn't hang on to it last night. But you know, it is what it is. Um, for the fireworks, we don't do any anymore. Um, just listen to them outside. They keep going to like one in the morning, so it's hard to fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a bummer is on a Tuesday, right? Kind of. Oh yeah, like, uh, have to go back into work the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, I worked on Fourth of July and then I got off early, um, so it was nice. Sold two cars and and then got to get out of there. So it was it was good. I was surprised how many people were there for uh, to to buy vehicles, but hey, make make a little money and then spend a little money. You know, out by the pool, copious amounts of beers and sun and pass out. It's pretty much what it was. You know, watching fireworks a little bit. You can see the fireworks for Fort Worth from my balcony. So like you or not my balcony, but the apartment complex's balcony. So you go up to the fourth floor and watch it. It was it was a good time. But uh, let's get into the chat here. We got Al Smith. Let's go royalty uh, to Ponga afternoon. Gents, Brandon with the Go Kings Go. Lee with good evening, lads. Looking forward to this. No, with the Go Kings Go. Brandon coming back with can't wait for the season. Shake Master echoes that with is it September yet? Kings rule. Hey, fellow Kings fans, I think it's been a good week. We'll be talking about that nav with us up, boys. Carter scores given Kyle season. Somebody's pumped up for some Kyle in, in, sure. in this in, in this uh, podcast here. Lieb echoes that as well. Uh, and Shank is uh, asking, Joe, where's your daughter's at? You should have put that on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, I've not received order. it in the mail yet. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get into this. Obviously, the free agency was big. Uh, we talked about the PLD trade last week. Um, and that with 
the signing of Gavrikov made the financial constraints very tight in the pocketbooks of the LA Kings. And so all these big fish out there that other teams were going for, Kings fans knew we were not going to be a part of that. Um, and, and trying to bargain hunt out there and see how they can fill out the roster. Uh, first domino really to fall was the, the, the goalie. So it was echoed from Dan Bernstein that they're going to go bargain shopping the free agency. Joe put out a wonderful article about all the goalies that possibly could fit that market. Um, end up with uh, Talbot. Uh, so had a, a down year last year in Ottawa. Two previous seasons were pretty good from the baseline stats. But Joe, you wrote the article, so I'll let you start here. What did you see from the analytics of Tal- uh, Talbot, and what did you think of the signing and, and the cap hit and t- kind of where all of it came came in? I, I guess for starters, given where the Kings were, you know, at their, how close they are to the cap, they really didn't have a lot to work with. And all things considered, I, I don't hate the signing itself. Um, you know, the options, there wasn't a lot of options. There's no way you can give – for those that wanted to sign Corpus Allo, you can't sign him to that contract. And that's – you know, what are you going to do? Even if the Kings were had plenty of cap space, that's just a bad move. Um, as far as Talbot, he, he you mentioned the surface stats two years – the two years prior to this one were, were pretty good. He had save percentages in the nine – over 9-10. His, his goal save above expected, though – has been the sixth or seventh worst in the NHL when you combine them over the last three years per evolving hockey. So a little trepidation there. I think if there's a positive or an optimistic outlook here, it is the fact that he has been above average. Uh, I wouldn't say he's been great, but he's been steady in terms of making the saves he needs to make. Uh, his low danger save percentage and his low danger, uh, the way he plays against low danger shots has been effective. It's been fine where he's gotten into trouble is he, he just can't make a, if it's, if, if the Kings are going to be giving up a lot of high danger chances, it's going to be a long, uh, you know, a long season for Talbot, but you know, the Kings don't do that. Uh, so it should be like, if, if there's a fit, you know, this could be it for the, uh, the Kings could be the fit for Talbot. Um, I don't think the goaltending is any worse than last season. Um, I would expect it to be kind of comparable to what we saw that kind of when Copley kind of started to take the reins. I kind of think it would be very similar to that. I mean, you know, I don't think either of these goalies are going to be here stealing games, but generally speaking, the Kings don't play that way. You know, they don't, they don't need their goalie to steal games. So, um, you know, it's it's not going to be something that excites a lot of people, but I think all things considered, I don't hate it. Um, just because you had to have expectations going in, right? Depending on your expectation, you couldn't go in expecting to get, although I wouldn't assign Jari to that contract either. So, you know, uh, all things considered, I think, I think it's fine. I'll leave it at that. So Kyle, uh, Cam uh, says in his press conference that, uh, you know, it's nice to be back in the Kings system. Kings is a very goalie-friendly system. Do you think, and he said he wants to win a cup. So those are his two really main reasons for signing here. Do you think you could we could possibly see a little bit of resurgence of Talbot because of the system that the Kings play in? I, I certainly think so. Um, we saw what happened with Phoenix Coffee last year. He came in to, like, after Cal Peterson got put on waivers and didn't put up great numbers, but put up, you know, decent numbers that can just, you know, give the Kings a chance to win because – the Kings had two goalies last year that were making almost $11 million and were somehow lactose intolerance and stopping the puck. So, um, but I think it's a 
it's a low risk, high reward kind of signing, but I don't expect him to be to be great like he was six, seven years ago when he had his best season. But like you said, he knows the system. So there's some familiarity there that he knows the system and that the Kings are are a really friendly goalie system. They don't really yeah, system that they don't give up many of those high high danger second opportunity chances. So um we'll see what we'll see what he has. Um I don't know who will be the starter come opening night. I think that will be determined by the uh by the end of training camp. But um yeah, um as Joe said, I wasn't expect there wasn't really that many great goalies on the market. I mean if you look at the trade it was either Connor Hellebuck who I would not want to pay nine million for as good as he is. Nashville seemed to be holding on the UC Soros. The other one was Tristan Jari and to me Jari got massively overpaid. That's a topic for a different day. But um, the Kings did they they filled a need, um, but next year I expect them to get someone bigger. So so Russ, we talked about it a little bit uh, or quite a bit over the season with the bargain hunting for the goalies. How maybe it's the new trying to win a Super Bowl with a rookie contract under a quarterback, right? Load your team yeah. everywhere else, get two goalies that are on the cheap and and ride the hot hand because you know goalies are streaky. How do you feel like this tandem is going to shape up uh, next season, and and what is your feeling on Talbot as well? No, yeah, I agree with what Kyle and Joe just said. I mean, you kind of look at where the Kings were doing last year going into the season. I mean, close to $11 million in goalies, especially for the production you were getting. It just didn't really make sense. So now it's gotten totally radicalized to the other side of the spectrum, right, where now you're at a point where you're paying $2.5 million in goaltending. And But it's weird. Like, I, for me, like, I see this move. I see Rob Blake looking at this move going into the season with Copley and, and Talbot with the trade deadline in his sights because he doesn't it doesn't fit me as a Rob Blake kind of move to go into the playoffs with Cam Talbot and Phoenix Copley. He would have just if he felt that way with Phoenix Copley, he would have just probably kept Pat and rode Phoenix in the, in the playoffs last year. So if you're not expecting Cam Talbot to be better than Copley, then is Copley really going to be the one that takes you to the playoffs? I mean, I, I'm not going to be stand right here and say that I'm against that notion. If like, let's, let's say we're just fast forward to game one of the playoffs next season and Phoenix Copley is your starter. I'm not, I'm not totally against it, but I would just say like, I think Rob Blake is making this move thinking that, Hey, let's just get through this regular season, win some games. Cause we're a really good team in front of the goaltending. Like you, like you guys have mentioned analytically, I mean, before Gavrikov came in, they were ninth in goals against goal, expected goals against per sixty. And then once he came up, when he came into the roster, they were moved up to second. So they're a great defensive team. You just need to have a goalie who's going to make some saves. And if you can just win some games, beat the teams that are probably lesser than you, just get to the playoffs. Maybe you kind of reevaluate the goaltending situation when the cap space opens up a little bit toward trade deadline. And hey, maybe you get Connor Hellebuck on the cheap at the trade deadline. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, Trish, or, Trish, or not Trish and Dari, maybe Thatcher Demko is available. Maybe UC Saros is available. Just try to make that big swing then, just depending on when you're at. Because I think after this season, or after this next season, I think that's when we'll see Rob Blake start to delve a little bit more into goaltending and get away from this one-year deal kind of veteran swing. So it'll be interesting to watch come trade deadline, but hopefully this these two goaltenders can get you into that point and keep you in a playoff spot until then. So the other goalie, the other person between the hype, uh, pipes they hi- hired is going to be 30-year-old David Riddich. Uh, career, 172 games played, uh, a little bit of a journeyman, 904 save percentage, 287 goals. So he doesn't seem like a guy that's overly bad, just kind of a journeyman in in, in the system. Going to be probably paired with uh, Portillo um, in 
in the AHL and, and not make him, you know, start 50 games for them down in the rain. So with with that, I mean, if he had to start some games this year, how do you feel about David Riddich? Uh, he's he's been an NHL goal. He's an NHL backup. You know, I, I think he can come in and make some saves. Again, the Kings have a system that that uh, again they, they they limit they limit shots against. Uh, they were great at that all season last year. So I, I think of the teams that are able to do what they're doing, the Kings are one of the teams that can kind of get by with this, uh, with this type of goaltending. So yeah, if, if Riddich has to come in and play some games and I would expect that he will, um, you know, Talbot's dealt with some injuries the last few years. He's, he's getting a little bit up there in age. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Kings call on Riddich here. And so, yeah, he, I think he'll, he'll be steady. And, yeah. and just real quick, like the Kings, Kyle alluded to it with Copley. Like it's not as if Copley was was great last year. All he had to do was come in and basically be an average NHL goaltender, and that was good enough for the Kings to go on an absolute tear. So, and I think the Kings will get that from this combination of goaltending. Like just don't actively hurt the team, and they should be fine. And I think that they can get that with with this tandem. I agree, though, uh, Russ, that it's I'd be hard pressed to go into the playoffs thinking this is good enough, but um, I do think that it is, it's a, it's a decent starting point for the first half of the season, kind of get their feet under them. So we have, a, we have a lot of, uh, positive things for cam here. I think Rich will be a nice little, uh, addition. Um, you know, we got, uh, let's see, who is it? Green coming up here. Say Talbot will be like a Sean Burke from a few years ago. Um, uh, we have an agree there. You based on how bad our net was last year, it couldn't be worse. Uh, you know, so it could, or it could be worse. So those are the two goals that we that we signed there. So you know, like I said, two point five million. We're loading up everywhere else. Obviously, the uh, con- the cap's supposed to go up. Different things. Um, I know, um, but before that, I know that we signed one of the guys that they thought they didn't qualify an offer to, and that was Jad. And so they they re-signed Jared Anderson Dolan to a seven seven five. Um, I believe the reason was, if I, I heard, was that it, it's a one. Is it a one way deal? So he's automatically guaranteed that money uh, instead of having the qualifying offer be a two way. So good for him coming back. Kyle, what do you think about with Jad and, and where do you see him kind of fitting in this lineup? Um, I wasn't totally surprised that they brought him back. Um, and also, as Russ alluded to it last week, is that he was arbitration eligible, so they probably didn't want to go through that. Um, but I expect him to be like last year, maybe see some time on the fourth line, be that 13 forward. It's pretty much my short answer for that one. Mm-hmm. Russ, where do you feel Where do you feel about this signing here? Yeah, uh, Kyle hit nail right on the head, 13th, <laughs> 12th forward. Uh, I mean, it's like you, you hope to see more to Jad because it seems like he's, he's such a good locker room guy. The coaching staff loves him. He's always the first person on the ice, always the last person to leave. So you want to root for that type of player, but it's like it's like what more what else are we going to see from Jad at this point that we probably can't see from like a Fagimo or even like an Alex Turcotte or one of those players. I mean, how we even brought in Trevor Lewis that we'll talk about. So at this point, it's like people are like wondering like who who could get waived for that last spot because it seems like the Kings will only be carrying twenty one players. I would expect Jared Anderson Dolan to probably possibly get waived at, at the at the, when it comes to start of the season just based off where the Kings are, the roster is shaping up. So, but we'll see. I mean, he could, could fight for a spot. I don't think it'd be the worst thing if he won a spot either in camp. I think he's a perfect 13th forward. I love him. I think I'm bigger on John than most people are. I just, 
you could plug him in anywhere, left, center, right. He can play in a top six role, not not consistently, right? But if something were to happen in a game or two, you need to shuffle some things around. He can play there. He can play an effective fourth line role. Like I said, he can spot in at C, he can spot in on the wing, he can play the penalty kill. He's capable on the power play. He was excellent on the power play with the range. So there's a talented player there. And I just think as a, as a coach, I mean, I just think it's like, it's great that you can have a guy that can be that versatile and he'll go stretches of games without playing. Right, you're that 13th forward. You may not play for a while, but then you're you're going to be asked to do a job. And I think, all things considered, he does it. So I, I think it's whereas perhaps, say one of a Fagimo, uh, you know, one of the names you mentioned, Russ. And yeah, I, I would love to see a lot more of him, but I, I don't know that the role of that fits for Fagimo. That he needs to be somebody that's kind of playing and getting reps. Where Anderson Dolan, I hate to say that he's pigeonholed into a 13th forward role for his career, but I feel like he's just done a great job at it, at least right now with the Kings, to where just a great guy to have around to play everywhere. As Noah in the chat just just popped in, utility player. Like he's a jack of all trades. He can play a little bit of everything, and I think I think that has value. Yeah, he's definitely got the attitude for it, right? I mean, if, if <laughs> yes. no one's going to throw a fit or anything like that, if he's going to – be okay, Smash. And I, I remember. I think it was after the Ducks game uh, in Anaheim when not the not the one can't be scored, not the last one, but what one of the games where McClellan even mentioned like it's tough for to to be rolling so well when you have some some players that like can't play. Mm-hmm. Was that the cop? Was, men- was that the Copley Gibson showdown? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, the Copley Gibson <laughs> showdown. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's tough because I, I think Jared Anderson Dolan right before them was was scoring a couple goals here and there. And doing yeah. pretty well, but then yeah. he had to take him out of the lineup because I, I believe somebody came back from uh, injury, and that was one of the names I'm sure he was mentioning. So you can tell the team really likes him, and I, and like even when he wasn't qualified, I'm like this guy's probably going to be back. And sure enough, he comes back on the league minimum, which is I don't I don't hate the signing. Obviously, I think it's, yeah. it's going to be really good for the team as start, as far as roster shaping comes. I also think that the Kings were relatively healthy on the forward front for the most of the season outside of the tail end. And, you know, that might not be, you look at Fiala and Velarde got injured at the same time. Normally those are kind of sporadic and spaced out. So he might not have as many stretches of not playing as he did last season to where maybe we, we, we might get a more confident uh, Jared Anderson Dolan because of a of, of better or more consistent play. Um, Nav comes in here with this kind of question. Is Jad the next eye of follow? And I don't know if if he means uh, the defensive juggernaut or if he is just iterate, reiterating what Joe said as as a utility guy, where you can just kind of plug and play him anywhere. So I guess what I'll I'll say is it, I think he could be a good utility guy, defensive forward, but I guess it's different because John is coming into the Kings here, and they're loaded. Their forward group above him is loaded. I mean, so I think when Ayafalo was coming in, the Kings were still in that kind of transition to where Ayafalo, here's first line left wing, you know, with Andre Kopitar. And Jad's not going to get that opportunity. So I I think, I don't know how, like you said, I don't know exactly what, what he means by the question per se, but uh, I don't know that he's going to get the same look. Um and I don't know that he's got this quite the same potential in terms of, of offense, although I do think he's a talented player. You know what's got potential is this podcast. If you smash that like button, thank you, Angel, coming in. You all need to smash that like button. Thank you for being in the chat. Appreciate you guys in here. You guys are coming in strong. Uh, always a wonderful time doing these shows live. So please 
hit that like, hit the notification button in that bell to know when we're going live. Appreciate you guys there. Let's uh, let's kick it over. I mean, not many people have heard of this guy. I was kind of surprised they signed him, but uh, a man by the name of Trevor Lewis uh, <laughs> signed for 775, bringing back the veteran for the multi Stanley Cup champion. This move did puzzle me, to be honest with you, because I thought the reason you moved out all this or, or signed all this cap and you very have very little left is to let some of these kids play and develop, and then they bring in a veteran forward who can who can really be his what he brings in and what his role is it can be brought by by almost anybody on the roster the guy that we just talked about so is this a is this a leadership locker room because they're dwindling in those things you lose jonathan quick is this kind of a a leadership type thing um you know they've been bragging about the secondary leadership core of dano and all those guys around that age group like where do you guys see this sign it was kind of puzzling for me not that i don't want trevor lewis back but this ain't 2012 2014 so what are we really getting out of this player what do you think, Joe? I think he's a defensive forward. I think he's a, a really sound defensive winger um, slash center, but I expect him to play the wing. You know, I'm, I'm puzzled by it, but at the same time, I've been warming up to it. I can see the logic. Like, the Kings have moved out a lot of depth. So you would be asking basically all of that depth to be filled by young kids that are relatively inexperienced. We don't even know if Turcotte's going to even be healthy enough to do it. So really you're looking at Fagimo and Anderson Dolan. So, you know, for the price that he's paid, it's fine. Like, unless if one of these kids forces their way into the lineup, I hope that there's not like a stubbornness to keep him in uh, if, you know, if it's warranted, but again, defensive forward, they'll be responsible. Um, he kills penalties. He wasn't a great penalty killer last year analytically. So I don't know where he is at this stage of his career as a penalty killer, um, but I'm sure he'll get a look there. So I, it is what it is. I mean, if I set aside all the feels and the great, the, 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 the good stuff of the cup winner and all that stuff, I just look at it as the player they're bringing in. It's, it's, is what it is. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, right? It's kind of like, but it's weird because, like, the first thing when I thought about with Trevor Lewis, I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be like sporadically played, like here and there, spot play, night and jabs in one night, Trevor Lewis is in the next night. But then you look at his games played, he's only missed two games in the last three years. Yeah, I, I think he's an everyday guy unless somebody forces their way past him or whatever. I, I fully expect him to play. Yeah, that's what, and uh, for me, like, I've, I've said it a couple times on here too. Like I, I was looking for a player like Corey Perry, some something kind of like that grit kind of type of guy. I mean, obviously Trevor Lewis isn't the Corey Perry type of grit, but I, that's the kind of player I was looking for. That veteran bottom six presence that the Kings were missing. Cause I mean, they didn't have that in last, um, last year. So I, th- I think it's a good move um, experience, obviously leadership in the locker room. And he's a coach guy too. So I mean, like like Joe said too, he kills penalties. And for a team that was terrible at killing penalties, I mean they need all the help they can get at this point. So I think I think it was a actually a really underrated signing by Rob Blake. I'm warming up to it. Yeah. For me, I was kind of a little shocked at first because I didn't anticipate when I woke up Saturday, I kind of slept in a little bit. Um, I woke up, I was like, hmm, like. I mean, you traded all like those players thought they would give like maybe 
a spot to like Sam, Samuel Fagimo or one of these other prospects. So it kind of blocks him. And as Joe mentioned, I, if he's not a good PK killer right now in his career, like what, what does he bring other than veteran leadership? And the Kings need a, probably as much help on the PK right now as well, because that PK is really horrendous the last couple of years. But, um, but I guess if you take away that and you ask me how I feel, if I just go based off the two cups, then I really love it. But I'm starting to warm up to it just a little bit, but I'm still kind of a little puzzled by it. Yeah, the fans were loving it on Twitter. I think that was probably the favorite signing by the fans, bringing, bringing a fan favorite. Uh, I, a lot of people were throwing this around. What happens with number 22? Louis had it you know, 14 years and Fiala's had it one year. Fiala is making seven eight five. I usually follow the money. I don't. I think Trevor. Arm Russell. I think Trevor Lewis is just going to do what he. I mean, what he is is a vet, and he understands his role, and he's probably just going to come in and pick a different number, and yeah. that'll be it. Yeah. yeah, they could just arm wrestle for it. <laughs> Didn't you, you it, wore like twenty two A and twenty two? He wore like sixty one when he first came with the Kings. I wonder if he goes back to that. I think that was the I, number he first started with. That that yeah, is very that was, much that a fourth first liner. That was a very much a fourth liner number. 61. <laughs> Isn't it 61 Fagimo's number when he plays? 68. 68. 68? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's great. The last one that the Kings are probably going to see the most of is defenseman Andreas uh, Ungland uh, signs a two-year deal at $1 million per. What does this signing say to you, Russ? Um, not a great offensive guy by any means. Uh, has size, plays a decent amount of defense. Uh, but the two years was kind of puzzling for me, considering Bjorn Foot, considering Mouvari has been here. They're just they're keeping these guys down. Is this a size thing? Is this just more depth? Like, where do you view this signing in, uh, for for the Kings here? Yeah, I think it's it's a size thing, but but also I think it's they don't trust Tobias Bjornfoot. because <laughs> I mean we're we were all penciling him to be three <laughs> LD at the start of next season, and especially when you already have Jake Mouvari signed. Why couldn't those two players be the the two players to, to round out that last roster spot? Rob Blake needed a little bit more experience, and, and he went out and signed a, a pretty much a bruiser. And it, I think Kyle brought up that highlight. He's the one that knocked out Alex Turcotte a couple of years ago. So it's it's for me, I, I just think it's he needed a little bit more of a player that he can rely on in certain situations. I don't know if Andreas England's that type of player, like if he's if he's starting playoff games, I mean it, you don't win playoff games with your third pair defensive defenseman, but I mean it's it's I don't expect him to play more than like ten minutes a night. Kind of looking at that like Curtis McDermott kind of player, right? And you just kind of going out there, throw a body around, maybe get in a fight or two, and then make something happen. So I don't I don't view it as that that much of in terms of him having a huge impact. But that extra year was a little interesting too, though. So I wonder if that's like, hey, I'm gonna if we eventually have to put him on waivers or something because Tobias Bjornfoot wins wins that spot of, out of camp, that extra year is gonna deter other teams from trying to pick him up. So I think that's maybe was Rob Blake's uh, thought process in that situation. But it was interesting just to bring in another third pair of left defenseman that didn't really have that much of a established, I guess production value as as england did because i was looking for a little bit more i thought i thought there could have been a little bit more done in this spot maybe you spend an extra million dollars i know i know the cap space is tied but maybe you wave like a carl grunstrom or something just to maybe try to secure that spot a little bit more 
because it just certainly doesn't seem like Tobias Bjornfoot is the one that they're penciling in for that spot out of training camp. Kyle, you we talked about it last time we talked about the rain when you were on um, and how you didn't really see too much of Bjornfoot in the AHL as far as progression goes. Is that kind of what, why you think this decision was made? Because on two previous pods ago, this you know this trio here thought that they were going to roll Bjornfoot, Clark, and and Rivari just kind of seeing where who who could catch it there. Maybe have Spence, not Clark, but Spence play on the left. Um, where do you think that that's kind of what it is, or is you agreement with it's kind of the side of the nastiness that maybe it was missing from the team last year? I could see it from both ways. Um, one, Bjornfoot just his look uninspiring to me in Ontario. I mean, there's games where like last year on opening night where he made like a move where he just like dangled like three players and scored off a rebound. And there's games where you just look at him and be like, like, what are you doing like out there? Like, like, what are you doing with the puck or doing in your own end? But so England, I guess with all the, they've signed like the organization signed like three Colorado Eagles players that the Eagles have been a thorn in the rain side the last three years and ended their season. So I guess if you can't beat them, sign them, I guess. But <laughs> the only thing he, the only thing he adds to this is just size, but, I don't get it just because, like, that third left defense pair, like, if you're going with Jacob Movarari, at least you can probably depend a little, depend, but I don't think he's a guy you're going to probably play all 82 games or try. Bjornfoot has just looked uninspiring, and then England has, I don't, I haven't seen many NHL games of him, but I just, I don't really get it. And then the AHL, they have like a bunch of left hand defensemen down there. I just, I really, really didn't understand the signing. It's probably one of the signings I didn't like. And also the fact that he entered Turk a couple years ago. That's a, that's a discussion for a different day, but I, I rest my case on that one. A little vindictive there, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I... So, Joe, here's my, here's my question for you, because you already yeah. wrote about him. Let me, let me maybe tee you up with a question sure. here. Sure. I uh, had a decent discussion back and forth with multiple Kings fans about the toughness of this team and how this team was one of the softest teams last year and where fighting is in the game, where size is it in this game, where the toughness is in this game. Russ brought up Trevor Lewis brings that grit, brings that kind of not nastiness, but he's willing to stand up for his teammates. He's willing to get in the scrums. He's willing to be in the crease and play with grit on the ice rather than after the whistle. Where do you see the role of toughness and grit within the game of hockey and did the Kings need this type of player to balance out the amount of skill on this roster? So I'm that I'm, I'm trying to keep an open mind about this signing because I'm not overly familiar with the player. I, I did talk to uh, somebody that covers the Colorado Eagles said the, the, just that, like he's a defensive defenseman who will fight. He'll drop the gloves. And I guess I can sort of see the logic because, well, he's left-handed and presumably your right defenseman on that pairing is going to be one of Clark or Spence, a very, very young, rookie, skilled defenseman that you know teams are going to be coming hard after, right, uh, on a four-check. So I'm, I'm trying to see the logic there to where if somebody's going to take a run at a Clark or a Spence – on a four check, England's going to be there to step in and, you know, make it known that that's not going to, that's not going to fly. I don't know. Like, is that crucial? The, 
I, I, I get it. And listen, I, I, I understand it. I'm somebody that <clears throat> can appreciate that, that like old school mentality to at, at times, but you got to be able to do something else. And like I said, I'm not going to totally say that this is a nothing player because I don't know a lot about him from what it looks like analytically. He's a defensive defenseman, which is fine. And he, me, takes a ton of penalties, which is not fine. So that can't happen. If he is capable, if he presumably is going to be fine in terms of zone entries, defending zone entries, all the left defensemen in the King system are good at that. So he'll probably be fine if he steps up, all that stuff. As long as he's not getting caught and taking penalties and be able to move pucks out of zones, like it's Again, I'm. It's not what I would have done. I'll, to, maybe that answers your question, Randon. It's not what I would have done, because I just subscribe to play your best players, play your most talented players, and and let's just go with it. That doesn't look like what the king. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's it's July. I mean, we don't know how things are going to shake out. There's a lot that can change. Like Russ said, maybe he gets, maybe he's somebody that's waived. And and you know, I remember. I mean, this was pre-free agency, of course. But you know, Rob Blake pointed out. That, that Clark and Bjornfoot were probably going to be in that grouping of the bottom pair. So, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I just, I, I'm not in love with it. I get the logic and I don't want to go too crazy. Cause I want to see how it goes. Like, I don't know what their plan is exactly. You know, clearly they saw something to give them a two year deal. I, I really hope it's more than, Ooh, he's six, five and can drop the gloves. Like, I, I just hope that there's more to it than that. Yeah, I, be, I believe that's something that you that you need to to really consider. And I, it's just it's tough. I was a huge fan of Lind, you know, Kaylin on, on the draft show because he brought skill with that sandpaper and fight. Like, I'm a huge fan of Kachuk because of, of those reasons, because uh, you got to bring something else. I would rather have a guy that can skate and play defense and exit zones that is small or not tough and doesn't fight rather than the guy that does one thing. Um, I know that especially in the playoffs, like I, yeah, I get it. There's good. There was a lot of cheap shots from Edmonton and stuff like that, but most teams aren't dropping the gloves in the playoffs out of risk of, of losing a guy for five minutes. So the fighting kind of goes down. Yeah. The hitting goes up. So, but what is he bringing to you on the ice? And I, I don't think any of us have studied any of his tape or much of his tape to know for sure what we're getting but we're going to find out definitely in camp. Russ, let's get into kind of like where this roster after free agency and the trades, where do we find this roster? Maybe some line combinations that you might be intrigued by. How do you feel it shaping up here? If you want just take it in any direction you'd like. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the, I'll just start with the forward core. I think that first line is pretty much solidified at this point. Even Rob Blake's even said that when Byfield's going to be starting off on the wing with Kopitar and Kempe. So we can pretty much pen that one in. Um, but then this is kind of where things kind of get shaken up. Uh, I would expect Dubois to play with Kevin Fiala. I'm, I'm really excited to watch those that pairing uh, play together. Um, but then on the other side, I know a lot of people kind of point to having the nice line, just keeping them together. And I get it. I can see that. At, I mean, we've seen them be one of the best lines on the Kings. I mean, if not in the NHL. But I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Victor Arvidsson play alongside those two with, with Dubois and Fiala. And the only reason I say that is because that would leave Arthur Kelly at Kaliev most likely to be the one that would play with Deneau and Moore. And if you look back to two years ago, Kaliev's best time was with those two players. 
In fact, if you go back to what lines or their line of all lines that the Kings had that played 60 minutes or more, they had the highest expected goal share, those three players in Dano, Moore, and Arthur Kaliev. So I think we need to find a way to our unlock Arthur Kaliev because if you think about it, the biggest wild card or X factor in this roster, nobody's, nobody's second guess, guessing Adrian Kempe anymore. He's solidified himself as one of the best premier goal scorers in the NHL. Nobody's second guessing Andre Kopitar. He's, he's shown that he's still got some left in the tank. Kevin Fiala is the best playmaker on the team. Pierre-Luc Dubois hopefully can be a, the player that we brought him in to be. It's all these young players that are on this roster that are sprinkled around. It's the Quentin Byfield that's on the first line. It's Arthur Kaliev that's going to be playing middle six time now. It's going to be the, those young defensive players, whether it be Brant Clark or Jordan Spence. So if the Kings can find any sort of production out of those players, I mean, you're talking about a team that could set their franchise record in goal scoring in a season. I mean, they're going to be that good. Just look at how they were last year without those players playing up to their potential. I mean, you think about it, Quentin Byfield had three goals last year. If he just doubles that, just three extra goals from him. If Arthur Kaliev can keep, continues his consistent play that he had at the beginning of the season before he broke his foot, I mean, you saw a player that was, I think he was leading the team in, in goals per 60 on the power play. So if you can find just that, and not to mention having him Brant Clark or Jordan Spence, probably one of the better offensive defensive prospects that the Kings have. So if you can just find that extra production out of those young players, I mean, this team could be a force to, to, to be reckoned with in, in the Western Conference. And I think they could vie for that Pacific Division title. What do, got, what do you we think, got, oh, we got a lot Go of ahead, Yeah, we got a lot of uh, already agreeing and disagreeing with you. Darren comes in here. Kaliev needs to take the step, next step in his development on the third line, not really shown or not ready to be thrown for top six minutes. Lieb disagreeing with you, saying, Arvey with PLD and Fiala, there's only one puck. Those are all guys that like to set up chances by ragging the puck and occasionally suiting, but mostly passing. Put Kaliev there, uh, he just being fed all day. I think if you listen, I thought that originally too, but then if you listen to a lot of the Winnipeg podcasts and, and what they type of player uh, that he needs to be paired with, you need a guy, they said, a guy that can enter the zone on his own and, and create chances. That's Fiala to a T. And then you need a guy that's not afraid to shoot. And I think Arvidsson, yeah, he can create chances with his skating and, and being able to take people on one-on-one. But that guy ain't afraid to shoot from anywhere. And so if, if Arvidsson says, if you say, hey, we'll set you up, RV, to sit wherever you need to be and, and rifle off some of these pucks, I'm sure he's going to be perfectly okay with that. I just think on the nice line, he was the most physically gifted offensive player on that line. He was relied upon to do the one-on-one stuff and and create the goal-scoring chances where you had more in the corners and didn't know kind of playing that hybrid role. And PLD has said, like, I can be an amoeba. If you want me to shoot, I'll shoot. If you want me to be down by the crease, I can. If you want me to go in the corners, I'll do whatever is best for the line. And I think that kind of would fit well there. Joe, uh, where do you kind of fe- feel that middle six shaping up? Uh, when we the Kings first made the trade, my first thought was, yeah, keep the you know the Dino line together and Cali up there, and it's great. But the more you think about it, it's like you do want to be. I I do wonder what that line is because Kevin Fiala is not known for his defensive play. Um, Arthur Calia is not known for his defensive play, and I think it would be um, a, a, it's a pretty big burden for for Dubois to be to carry both of those guys defensively. So I'm kind of looking at it from the 200 foot view because I do agree. Like you get a guy like Fiala who is as good a playmaker as there is on the team. Dubois who's a good passer. 
so I, I like the idea of Kaliev on that line. And I do think there's spots where we'll probably see that. Um, but I kind of agree I think with Russ that Arvidsson, you could talk me into Trevor Moore being up there too with, with um, I think that's a little interchangeable for me, but yeah, Arvidsson, listen for Kaliev, Philippe Deneau is pretty good playmaker and play driver as a center at five on five. I don't think that's an issue at all. Moore's got a motor. Especially being shoved down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you get, you get Philippe Deneau against the other team's three C that's, that's going to be a mismatch, especially with, with that was their second line last year and they did quite well in the site as a second line the last couple of years. So I, I think he can be really effective. Cali of that is next to, two guys that play well together in Deneau and, and Trevor Moore. I think that's the fit. I think that's what I would start with. The, the beauty of it is, and I guarantee you, because I don't know, I get the sense that like, I think Rod Brindamore says, that, you know, coaching is coaching. Like he coaches his kids youth game. He's like, it's all, it's kind of the same. Like I guarantee you, because I know this is exactly what I am doing as we speak right now, leading into like next year's high school season. They're there. He is having conversations McClellan with the other assistants and they're throwing line combos back and forth right now. They're having a load of fun with this and they're calling each other and trying to figure out what if this were, this is, this is kind of fun. Like in, in this, in this moment, I would say for McClellan as they try to figure this all out and we'll probably see a little bit uh, to see what, what works and who fits where. And it'll take a little bit of time to really get that solidified as it usually does. But um, I would start with Arvidsson, Kaliev next to Deneau and, uh, more Kyle that leaves the fourth line for you um you know there's only a, a couple of players um, I'm assuming Lazat and Lewis based on the signer there or maybe not for you how do you feel like the third line is going to shape up to start the season so I think the fourth, the fourth line, line sorry yeah so, sorry about that I think the fourth line is obviously going to be Lazat he's one of the best four C's in the NHL in my opinion and then you know, I think the, those other two spots, there's going to be probably a handful of players that will fight for them. I think Samuel Fadimo is going to fight for it, Carl Grundstrom. You got Jad, Trevor Lewis, and I'm going to throw in a wild card here. I know this may not be a popular one. I think Alex Laferrier or Akil Thomas may be fighting for that spot too if they have a good camp. Um, nice. I, I really like Alex Laferrier. When I saw Alex Laferrier play in Ontario, I really liked his game. He had, He's got some size. He protects the puck, and he's got a little bit of grit and tenacity in his game. So... Um, I think he could be fit, fitting on that fourth line. Um, so I think there's going to be a bunch, bunch of players that are going to be fighting for that, but I don't think there's any set in player that's besides Lazat that's going to be on that fourth line, in my opinion. Can I have – can I say this, Brandon? And I don't know if you were going to take it here, but yeah. my question is, we had the Kings had the second best – well, I shouldn't say that. They, at one point where I think the second best, but they were a really good power play last year. I don't remember what they finished. Was it top five did they finish? Fourth. Top, yeah, fourth. On there, yeah fourth so Gabe Velarde played mostly down low right he's right-handed and I'm I know I'm, I'm people might go nuts because I'm going to get back into the handedness but if you think about like the way they would set up their one three one with that bumper position was highly more effective last year we saw a lot of times last year where the puck would go from the the wall, the flank, down low, bang, right back out to the bumper. That's really easy to do when you think about it, you have lefty on the wall, righty on the bumper, lefty in the or, uh, righty down low with with Velarde, and lefty 
in the bumper, which at times was Kopitar. It was kind of fluid at times with who was in there. Dubois left-handed. I fully expect Dubois to play down low like Velarde did, but he's probably on his on the other side. If you remember the goal he scored against the Kings, it was from that the other side of his uh, what, what would be kind of the right wing, if you will, but down at the goal line. So the goalie's glove hand to the goalie's left. Well, if you got a lefty there, you that's an impossible. You can't really have a one-time play to the bumper when you got a lefty at that side passing to the lefty in the slot. Really interested to see because the Kings don't have a right-handed player to play there in that bumper spot. You look at their lineup, it is all lefties, except for Trevor Lewis and, and Victor Arvidsson, neither of which I think are really that type of player. So that is a position – because I'm just really curious to see how that shakes out because I really think they utilized the bumper more last year. And I think, and down low, they use both down low and bumper. And I think that's that they go hand in hand because we talked about for however long the prior year, it was all perimeter, really nothing cross seam. And I think when you, when they started to utilize the bumper, you started to see more cross seam passes because they had to respect the bumper. They had to just, it, it just changes the killers. And now, again, with Dubois being left-handed and there's no righty option in that slot, I just wonder how they shake this out. I, I'm, I'm just genuinely curious. I don't know. Obviously, nobody knows, but maybe Jim Hiller right now. Um, but I'm, that's one thing I'm going to be watching as we go forward and we get into camp, we start playing preseason games. Is what does that look like exactly? How do they set this up? Because, you know, they can do it. It's just you're not going to have – a one-time option from the bumper per, perhaps. So again, not to say they can't do it. Bumper can still be utilized. Just could look a little bit different. So I'll be curious to that. Do you think, think they, they set it up the way Alex Iafalo scored that overtime winner in Edmonton <clears throat> on, they have PLD on that side and maybe in the bumper. They can. So I think I, I because I think that's, who was it that made the, was, was it Arvidsson? It was Arvidsson. Again, was Arvidsson or more. So I think it was Arvidsson that made the play uh, from behind yeah. the goal line. And he's right-handed. That's an easier play. Now, it can happen for a lefty. The tricky part for that is if it's the lefty on that side, he doesn't really have a play to the net as easily, right, because he's got to come out on his backhand. So it's just a little more awkward. So I do think they can still work it. It's just I'm just curious to see how they do it and, and what they decide to go with because – you know, it's just they are so left-handed. It's, it's crude. I don't know that I've seen a lineup like this. And it's, it's a lot of lefty forwards, both righties that played power play. Yeah, I mean, could righty play defense, a power play. You know, yeah. Too many righty defensemen. Too many lefty forwards. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I think maybe uh, that's the answer. Maybe that's the answer. All, there you know, it is, Kyle. Brant Clark. Brant Clark bumper. Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> Have him play. I'm sure he'd have plenty of uh, plenty of fun playing down low if he wanted to. <laughs> um, I know Brandon would love that. <laughs> hey, any any more time for the train, the Clark train to get on the on the ice? I think he's going to revolutionize that second power play. I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have the power play look. I think the one and the two are going to look different now. Uh, but it's interesting if you put PLD to like Kempe's side over there, like and and let Kempe like do you. But then you take away the one time, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be, 
because it, that's all that Kempe is, is looking for is just that one-time shot. So if you put him over there and, and maybe flip him in Kopitar, then you're not getting any one-timers from from Kempe off that off that wall. So mm-hmm. it just it just really kind of kind of messes it up there. Um, I don't know. Maybe they go back to more of a more of a just a net front presence instead of be behind it. Uh, maybe you swing him a little farther away from the gold post and kind of run a triangle from farther out. Uh, and kind of have mm-hmm. that. You see Washington a lot, really like force all four guys to one side of the ice uh, and kind of run a little box over there and then swing it over to Ovechkin for the one-timer. So I, I'm sure they'll mess around with that quite a bit and see what goes on there. Um, and Nav, if Brant Clark scores a Michigan goal this season, I will absolutely <laughs> lose my freaking mind um, <laughs> on, on that. So I, I think uh, I'm going to switch. I'm going to throw it back down to the fourth line. And uh, we talked about toughness a little bit in grit. Like what line is going to have more motor than a Grunstrom, Lazat, Trevor Lewis line? Like that line is going to be a pest for everybody. Uh, they might not score a lot of goals, but they're going to lay a lot of hits. They're, of course, he's going to be far more in their area uh, and keeping that, um, keeping the momentum in the direction of, uh, of the Kings. And if the Kings don't have momentum, you can probably rely on a line like that to, to create some physicality and create some momentum going in the different direction. Do, do the Kings need a line like that where they're not, it's not necessarily a bruiser line or an enforcer line, but all those guys have grit panache and, and don't take any shifts off. I don't know if they need a line like that. I think it's just pretty much whoever you slot with Blake Lazat, to be honest with you. I mean, having Lazat as the fourth line center, I, I agree with Kyle. He's, probably one of the best fourth line centers in the NHL. So I think we can all assume that Trevor Lewis is going to be there right next to him. But that other spot, I think is just up for grabs. And I love that Kyle threw out Alex Leferrier's name. Cause I mean, every time I've seen Leferrier play, he's just impressed me. And I remember going back. To he's all over camp. the ice. Dude, everywhere. Ice. I'm excited to watch him at this dev camp. Uh, and then even in the time he had um, with Ontario, like you mentioned, it's just, this is a player that it seems to just, mesh right in any spot he's played in and it's weird because we're not as kings fans we're not we're not used to rookies coming in and playing so well right off the bat we're we're kind of <laughs> used to just them kind of getting getting their bearings a little bit and maybe needed some time in the ahl but who knows maybe lafayette maybe a little too much time <laughs> yeah and then maybe he impresses us and gets some time right in the nhl spot so i, I know a lot of people are kind of looking toward like the waiver exemption and stuff like that for some players especially like fagimo obviously jad but I don't know. I, you you just look at the NHL. I mean, Philip Zadina just went on waivers and went unclaimed. It's yeah. not like these these players are guaranteed to be claimed, especially when you get to the preseason when rosters are trying to get trimmed down, not necessarily get added to. So I, I think it's just a, a, a spot that's up for grabs. I mean, Turcotte is another name. Like you mentioned, Akil Thomas. Who knows? Maybe Martin Kromiak just goes lights out in the pro, in the preseason and just goes crazy. So – it could be anybody that really grabs that last spot. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the young guns either. So I just, but I just got to say, I just, this forward grouping, just, I am so excited to watch yeah. this team. You, you look at them up and down the lineup. I mean, on the first line, you have a 40 goal scorer with Adrian Kempe. On the second line, you have your best playmaker, one of the best playmakers in the NHL, in Kevin Fiala. On the third line, you have one of the best premier shutdown centers in the NHL in Phil Deneau. And then Blake Lazat to round out on the bottom pair, on the bottom line. Dude, I mean, this forward court is one of the best I've seen in the Kings in quite some time. Like, it's it's so 
any spot you can just run out there and have a good time. So, and that's part of the reason why this PLD trade was made. I mean, because yeah. last year it was Kopitar against McDavid and then Dano against Dreisaitl. And you really you had nobody else after that. So now you have options. And I'm, I'm sure McClellan, like like Joe's mentioned, he's probably giggling, laughing loving, at the whiteboard. Yeah. yeah, loving this right now. I would say, too, going back to the fourth line quickly, two players that could be on the fourth line were top four in the Kings and goals per 60. Carl Grunstrom was one of them. Sammy Fagima was another one. So as much as I like the idea of Lewis and like, you know, being a pest to play against and all that stuff, I just, a fourth line that can score. Like Lazat can set guys up. Grunstrom has shown the capability to finish. He had 12 goals last year. Like I said, he was fourth on the team in goals per 60. I know Fagima only played nine games. I say that a little tongue-in-cheek that he led the team in goals per 60. But he was a, was a productive nine games. Like, he came up and he did what he had to do. He scored. That's what he's here for. So, like, I I just think it's a it's – a, it could be a little – It also gives you a right-hander on the power play. Oh, see? And, yeah. There we go. A shooter. A shooter from the bumper. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, Joe, you're I just, just you're just about playing the most talented, skilled players, right? That's kind of I, I mean, I don't I don't want them to be like defi- like totally deficient per, per se. Like I I'm not I, I don't necessarily want to win every game like seven six, but if you're on the margins, like when we're talking about Trevor Lewis versus somebody that can score, I'm probably going to take the guy that can score. When we're talking about Andreas Englund and a guy that can move pucks. But I'm going to want the guy that can move pucks. So, like, that's – I'm not talking all the way throughout the lineup per se. Like, I, it's just when you're talking, like, fourth – I just want to maximize those those positions on the team because it may sound nice to have this hardworking roll up your sleeves, and that's great. But if they don't actually do anything, what are they actually doing? So, if you have the opportunity – to have somebody they can score on your fourth line. If you have the opportunity to play a third pair D that can be influential in the offensive zone and 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 move pucks and 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 get get out of your zone efficiently, now you've creating mismatches with your third pair and you're creating mismatches at your fourth line. So that's kind of where I'm like that's all I'm trying to do. Yes, that's it now. Like I'm trying again, I don't want to do it at the expense of something like if Fagimo is a train wreck defensively. Okay. Well then it's not going to work. Right. Then you put Lewis back in, but like, that's what I'm, that's my approach to this is play your skilled guys. And then if, you know, let them figure it out because there's a reason they're your skilled guys, they're going to get things figured out. Play your better players is in general how it is, but we'll see. We'll see. That's, I mean, you could it, with the Fagima line, you could technically have two guys. You know, if you get ten goals from each of those guys at the bottom. I mean, Grunstrom did it last year. Lazat can do it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he played up, and then Fagimo could shoot the puck. I mean, if you get ten goals from each of those guys on the fourth line, that's an effective fourth line. Well, and Fagimo has really evolved. I mean, it started a couple of years ago, ran and with with the rain like he was a pretty good two-way forward he's he was an underrated forward the way he played defensively so he played pk in ontario like i i, I think he's kind of rounding out his game a little bit to where i i, I think he's capable uh so i will say the one here thing i like Green coming here when you're thinking about this of the fourth line so much you know your roster is lit so. <laughs> 
I will say though, one thing I liked about the PLD trade is that it moved Phil Deneau from the two C oh. to the three C to get more balance. Because I don't know how many times we saw, maybe too many times, where Bukestad would go on the ice for a faceoff in that series, win it, go off, and then you see McDavid or Drysaddle come by. So now you have Deneau as the three C that can go take those faceoffs and not allow that to happen. And you also have another good defensive forward, Trevor Moore, on that third line. So. I think the Kings in that area on the bottom six can match up a little bit better than they did this past series against Edmonton. And then it also helps that Yamamoto and Clint Costner are no longer on the Oilers <laughs> uniform as the well. King so. killers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> let's get into the, let's get into the draft. I think this, uh, I think we've talked about the line. We're probably going to do a lot more every single month, but let's get the draft. Let's get those players. They're due. Kings made five picks. Uh, reports were that they tried to move up and down multiple times were denied close to 12 times in the third and fourth round to, to move up and grab some guys um, starting off with the second uh, round pick at pick 54, Jacob Dvorak. He was one of my guys um, after doing more research about him in, in, in depth and stuff like that. I'm a little bit less high on him. I don't know. Obviously skating and is uh, I've never been, I've never seen it be used for, from Scott Wheeler as like, it's a major red flag. It's like a detriment to, other players on the roster about how bad his skating is, but he's a big left shot defenseman. Um, he's going to be able to play on the defensive side of the puck. He's rangy. Um, and he has a power shot where I do think that we don't really know what this guy is, is that he's often injured. Um, and so taking that much time off in your draft year, is that not allowing him to develop? Also, I remember being six, four, six, five in high school, tall, gangly. Like I wasn't really used to my height, you know, with your legs and everything like that. So, Skating might be able to improve once he gets used to his body and he fills out a little bit more. Uh, but as far as like from what was missing from our prospect pool, I think it's a great fill in for the prospect pool just because I don't, we don't really have any left shot D anymore. Kim Nusayanin, Kirasanov's in Russia, but who knows if he's ever going to play uh, in the States. And so from a, from a, uh, prospect pool kind of construction, not really with the needs of the Kings. I liked it as far as it's adding depth to a position of need at that area. I would agree. Yeah, so I just think... that's like that's you 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 obviously pegged him as one of your guys. I, I, I like the pick too. And and it seems like that the Kings don't really value skating in terms of some of their draft picks. I mean, you look at Brant Clark, no one expected him to be a good skater. Arthur Kaliev. Uh, Gabe Velarde, some of the more premier p- prospects that have come up, they they're really known as good skaters. But I don't know. It's just when I watch Dvorak play, I, I, I like that. First of all, I like that he's the captain. He was the captain of the Czechia squad at the, at the under 18s. I, I love that. So obviously, they look at him like a premier player, and he's a leader on the team. Um, and we're going to be able to. This, this is another thing I'm kind of excited about, and it probably has nothing to do with the player. But this is a player we're going to be watching probably in World Juniors coming up here too, as being one of the leaders of a team like Czechia in, in these next couple of World Juniors. So I don't expect him to come over to the NHL soon, or um, maybe for a couple of years. But yeah, like you mentioned, Randon, it certainly feels like it, this wasn't a pick of like best player available. This f- certainly felt like a pick of need. At this position, which I kind of get because it's so well, Yanetti well, countered that statement by saying they had four or five guys in that tier. He they took a calculated risk not to move up and grab uh, the guy they had higher up in the tier because they felt like one of their three guys or four guys was going to fall to them at their pick. 
And this was the last one available within that their their tier of, of tier guys players. Just shows how deep know. this draft was. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like you probably could have gone more more explosive. It's obviously the second round in the draft. Like, what are we going to know at this point? But it just felt like it's like I don't know. Felt like a reach to me at that point. It not I don't want to say a reach, but it felt like you were drafting for need at that position more than anything. If he I, was six foot, he probably doesn't get drafted at all by anybody. Yeah. In exactly. seven you mean you watch yeah. his highlights all the his, the best part of his game is poke checking the puck off somebody's stick it's not like it's not like a shot or like a, a smooth play up the ice it's like your defensive game and i like i don't want to f- have a drafted player just based off defense especially no. at that young right. so it's like uh i don't know but i, I understand it I understand the pick a little bit no i don't i don't Russ, <laughs> i don't like <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm trying to paint a rosy color here. I'm trying to be a little. Hey, we did that with with a lot of with with a lot of the stuff. We we were rosy about Cam Talbot. Go find anybody right now that's rosy about Cam Talbot the way we were to start this pod. And again, listen, it's a draft pick. I'm not gonna sit here and hammer on this 18 year old. And first of all, good for him. Like, it's, couldn't be happier for the kid. It's just we did the when we did the you know what we're looking at and finding guys to pick. You know, the, the the thing that I tried to look for, and again, I don't know these players. I'm going off of scouting reports. So fully full disclosure, obviously. You're looking at traits. You're looking for tools that are like first-round tools, first-round traits, but he slipped for some reason or another, right? And so, like Kaliev, you mentioned his skating. He slipped because, in large part because of his skating, but he was had some elite traits to him, and he slipped because he wasn't a great skater. Like – I don't think you need to pick a guy who is graded as the worst skater in the draft or among the worst skaters in the draft. That's pretty – but to spend a second-round pick on that is a little scary. Like I said, if he was anything below 6'3", he probably doesn't even get drafted. So it's, it's just this is a pick for size. And listen, Yanetti has – he, he, I trust Mark Yanetti, so he, he clearly sees something in the player. But, um, boy, it seems like there was some talent on the table that was just left off. I mean, there's a lot of people that had it. I know the guy that I liked was Luca Cagnoni, the defenseman that ended up going to San Jose. Again, look for first-round traits. Look for first-round tools. And based on scouting reports, he is a first-round talented player in terms of the way he moves the puck, first-round in terms of the way he thinks and sees the ice. But he's 5'10". Again, Give me the talented guy. That's just how I look at it because now you have a guy because, yes, he's been injured, right? Uh, uh, Dvorak's been injured, so that's, that's going to slow his development a bit. And I do trust that his skating will improve. As you mentioned, Randy's going to grow into his body. But And, and so maybe the, the thought is, you know, he he's going to be a project, right? He, you're probably looking at somebody that's four years out before he's even in consideration for, for the NHL. And I guess that's fine. If they're good with that, then I get it. It's just, boy, I just don't think you need to to do that to just for this because he's 6'5". And let's be honest, it's because he's 6'5". He was 6'5", you said, right? I think that yeah. that's what he collected. Yeah. If he's 6'1", he doesn't get drafted. Doesn't this feel like they just like are like can immediately just throw him into a one three one system? It's the exact type of player that they've been looking for. Not if he will, not if he can't spot. skate, but yes. <laughs> I mean, that's what kind of what we see with Vladislav Gavrikov. Just yeah. sits there at the blue line and, and yes. denies entries. It's exactly well, and, what it feels like. And, they, and, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, but which is weird because you got an 18 year old kid who's probably years away. Like who knows what could, we're going to be watching this one, three, one for forever. (laughs) But no, you, yeah, you're right. I mean, I just, um, I, and they could have gone more explosive there, right? They could have gone with somebody that at least wasn't one of the worst of something in the draft. Yeah. But again, I, I won't sit here and try to pretend that I'm like, Marquinetti, because I'm not. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Kyle? We, we've we've given our opinions. What do you think? Um, at first, I didn't really mind or care for the pick, um, but now after seeing Joe sending Scott Wheeler stuff in our hockey royalty chat, I was like, Oof. like if you can't skate at the NHL, if you can't skate in hockey, like that's a really big issue. If your skating is a big issue, but. There's only one word as to why you got drafted, and that's that size. I mean, I mean, they drafted with need, like you guys said. Um, they really don't have any left-hand defensemen. They really, and it seems like they're starting to stack up the pipeline with some, with some bigger bodies now, with Andre Lee, Samuel Hellenius, Caleb Lawrence, and now Dvorak. So I think we're starting to see a, maybe a little them start to go in that direction just a, just a little bit now. They but I the, still they think, weren't quite the Coyotes though. Yeah, who, yeah. who drafted a basketball team. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah we could um i i could still could have gotten something better with that pick in the uh the second round but from what i'm seeing it sounds like he's more like a project because he is only 18 right now but um we'll see we'll see what they can do with him i'm gonna i want to paint a little bit of positivity because he is our second round pick here one he played in a professional league so he played for I don't, i'm gonna butcher this liberec uh of extra liga only had six penalty minutes. So usually young kids, you know, out of position playing against adults. Uh, he didn't seem out of place in that league as far as, you know, six penalty minutes. Uh, he was playing time for a, a, for a pro for a pro for a pro team. Uh, Russ already mentioned the captaincy uh, for for the U18s. And so I think that there is something to be said about uh, him as as character. And at 17 years old, you're 6'5", 209. I mean, you're probably going to be 6'5", 230, 235. Um, you know, he's going to be a big body that that's going to be, if he can learn how to skate and use that size, um, you know, you, you're going to have a, you know, obviously the team needed a third line left shot D this year. I mean, he could be that, that shutdown type guy, um, if he grows into the skating and, and if you're a captain, you obviously know the team well, you know, the locker room well, and you know, your hockey IQ for the most part. So I think there's probably some intangibles there that they really did like, and I'm sure he interviewed very well. Uh, because of that captaincy, so and, let's. And that's sorry, Randy. That that's something I'll I'll say is a positive too, right? Like because if generally speaking, if you're going to be a captain and you know what you need to do to get better, and you're going to work hard to do that, because generally you're setting that example for the rest of the team. So if there's a a, a, a deficiency in his game, I trust that he's going to be a guy that's going to work really hard to to get that deficiency out and, and turn it into something that's positive. So. You know, between that, the injuries, the size, and him growing into his body, like, I'm not saying it can't happen. It's just, um, you know, it's a project. Probably, um, you know, I, I don't want to uh, foreshadow too much, but my definitely my favorite pick of the draft is Cohen Zemer, uh, 78, number 78 uh, in round, uh, or number 78 overall in the third <laughs> round. Uh, he is uh, 18, played for Prince George Cougars of the WHL, 6'1", 194, had 41 goals, 48 assists, 
uh, for a total of 89 points in 68 games with Prince Shores. Um, and that was his second consecutive 30 plus goal season. Um, Simmers 41 goals ranked second uh, on the Cougars and seventh among everybody in the WHL um, out of Alberta. Um, he had, he was uh, seven points in 10 games in the playoffs. Um, and so, um, and so he was, he averaged, uh, 0.99 points per game in his 160 career WHL games where this guy really gets me is his interview. He's like, I was born to score. I like to score. I'm going to put the puck in the net. I am also not afraid to piss you off and drop some gloves. I, I like hitting people. I like fighting. Uh, that's the type of player I thought the Kings would be dealing with Kalen Lind and they found him a lot later. Uh, he's not necessarily a playmaker. So you got a goal scorer with some, some edge. Uh, instead of Lind with a playmaker with some edge, uh, definitely my favorite um, pick of this draft, uh, and somebody that really kind of rounds out, uh, gives you a little bit of everything, and adds more to the goal scoring. Definitely ticks up the toughness in the prospect pool, and just kind of adds a little bit of something different. Um, Russ, what did you think about this pick here? Yeah, I'm right with you. I, I'm, I freaking love this pick. I mean, just the first goal I see is him doing some dangle going into the ice and then some filthy backhand. And then that little twirl celebration that he has, like, dude, give me that. I want those type of players. Give me some entertainment. Get some, give me some electricity, electricity. I want like, and you said it best. He's not afraid to drop the gloves. He's not afraid to hit people. Like where was this guy? Why wasn't he drafted first of all? And I mean, it's like, you look at it, all of the characteristics that you want to see in a hockey player, that confidence, that entertainment value. I mean, that physicalness. I mean, everything. It's just like you're, and then, but it's another player that just was, people are iffy on his skating, but it's weird. Cause I didn't even really notice it watching him play or watching some of the highlights off to watch maybe some of his games, but yeah, I love it. I love this confidence. I, lo- I love the highlights. And when you, whenever you can score 40 goals, whether it be the WHL, OHL or whatever, I mean, you got a little bit of skill in you there. So this, I'm right with you. It's probably my favorite pick, and I'm glad that it didn't seem. This is it didn't seem like that type of player that the Kings usually draft. It seems like they always kind of draft maybe projects or, or kind of like I mentioned for need a little bit more. But yeah, love it. Love the pick. It's a fun one. Yeah, no, no question about it. It's it's not my favorite. Um, it's my second favorite pick of the Kings draft, but a really, really fun pick. I, I don't have a lot to add other than what you guys did. Like it's, it, this is the, a, a type of player that I think Brandon, you said the Kings don't really have in their system. You know, it's the reason that you like Lynn so much too. Right. So um, I, I, it's an exciting player. It should be a fun one to follow here for a couple of years. I, I would have to agree with everything with Brandon said. I, when I saw like, then pick him, and then I saw his highlights. I immediately thought the first one that came to my mind was steal. Like this, this was a steal for the Kings. They should have been maybe a second round pick from what all the people were saying. But I mean, he had grit, sandpaper. Is not afraid to be physical. Can score goals, and he's very crafty with his stick handling on the puck. So I think the Kings did really good with this pick. Better than I think they did with the second, the second round pick. Agree with that. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's gonna be an interesting player. Where how long he w- waits in the WHL, right? Because uh, of the rules. So you're probably thinking, I think twenty. He's play right? down there till yeah, he's gonna play down there till he's twenty, and then so 2025 or so, you'll be able to see him in the AHL there, Kyle, playing for the yeah. playing for the rain, <laughs> uh, hitting people, taking penalties, and and clapping one timers from from the from the dot. So a uh, definitely interesting player, somebody to keep an eye out for uh, with the forward group that has an abundance of skill get some grit uh, there for the forwards. Let's kind of move this along a little bit quicker here. Uh, next pick in the fourth was Hampton uh, Slokinski. 
uh, goalie at, in high school uh, for in Minnesota, establishing he was a one or 28 one and one record with a 1.47 and 941 save percentage with nine shutouts in 30 games. So a very elite in the uh, in the high school realm. Uh, his 28 wins uh, led all Minnesota high school goaltenders. He's 6'1", 179, um, and his his whole high school record was 57, 6 and 3 with 20 shutouts. Uh, he gave him uh, the Frank uh, Bribznik Award, which is the top senior goaltender for the state of Minnesota. So definitely has that that high end acumen for for one of the best uh, hockey states out there. Um, and and he represented the USA in two. Uh, tournaments, which is the World 18s, Under 18s, and the Holinka Gretzky. So, kind of guy that I didn't really have on. Um, he was ranked 200 and something by most people. Uh, the Kings seem like they feel like they got somebody here in the fourth round that has has done nothing but win his entire career, and maybe is a is a long project. It kind of took me off guard, Russ. What about you? Yeah, I don't obviously know too much about a high school goaltender, but. Uh, the one thing I will say is Warwood High School has one one notable alumni. It's Brock Nelson. Uh, but, yeah, U.S. development camp, invitee. Uh, maybe he gets a look at some World Junior games. But um, I think what, what college is he committed to? Kyle, you, you might know. I think it was. Uh, I think it's University of New Hampshire, I think, maybe. Yeah. I I'm, haven't really checked. but I Yeah, think I'll so. look. I mean, fourth round goalie. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Kings haven't been too good at drafting goaltenders, so it's hard to hard to say too much in that position. But hashtag, hashtag goalies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in uh, round five, we uh, a right shot defenseman here, and Matthew Mania definitely wins best name uh, of the draft class here. Registered thirty eight points in sixty seven games for the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL, uh, and was one of one for two in four OHL playoff games. Six one one ninety defenseman. Um, almost a uh, half point per game player in his career uh, in Sudbury. Um, and then so looking at this pick, very skillful. Joe, uh, what, where do you – I believe this might be your favorite pick of the draft. This probably comes to surprise and nobody that this is my favorite pick of the draft. Um, and when I was looking at after the, the draft was happening and, and all that stuff and seeing and trying to read a little bit about each of the Kings players, like, oh, who did, who did they pick? Because <laughs> I you know, certainly don't know all these guys. In the first sentence on his elite prospects page in there from their draft guide is, quote, few players squeeze as much value out of every puck touch as Matt Mania. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want. I want this. Uh, this is the type of defenseman I want. I still think this is where the game is going um, to have these high skilled defensemen that can skate. And maybe they're a little risky, but um, I love it. So, uh, you know, this is a the, feels like like a boomer bust type of pick. Like if he hits, he could be he could be awesome, um, really productive defenseman, or he could just be a career AHL. I, I don't know how it all plays out but i love taking the shot at the talent in this round so i i love the pick yeah i think that with the the amount of the, they've traded out from the right side uh in the prospect pool also fills a need there uh getting rid of a lot of the right shot defensemen so you know you're getting a guy putting him down the line and and when uh you know the the team is ready for maybe uh dowdy to move on or or what there and brent clark's the the number one right shot Maybe we see Matt in four or five years down there and uh, in, in getting an opportunity to knock on the door. Kyle, I'm going to kick it over to you to our last pick here um, before we we talk about DevCamp. 
is is in the sixth round. Ryan Comney. Um, he is skated skated for sixty games for Sioux City uh, Musketeers in the USHL. Thirty three goals and twenty nine assists in sixty games played. So over a point game player for the USHL. Uh, led all skaters uh, with uh, power play goals, points, goals, plus minus shots, shooting percentage. Uh, so he led his team in almost every single offensive category, 5'10", 185. Um, and so he's definitely a guy that can put the puck in the net. Um, he's committed to playing in the University of New Hampshire this fall uh, for in D1. So getting a guy in the sixth round that's a point-per-game player for the USHL uh, seems like a, a, a pretty good pick right there. Yeah, um, I didn't really do too much detail with this pick after, um, but I think he does have have some potential. So um, it could end up being a good pick. Usually some six-rounders, like, you know, the odds of them are making the NHL roster very slim, but um, we'll have to wait and see um, how he does in development camp starting tomorrow and how he progresses in at college and then eventually when he turns pro. He just, he just seems like a four-year guy there, so it's going to be the slow burn uh for uh for comedy here let's get into dev camp uh one mr kyle is going to be going russ is going to be there so um, while i'm pulling up the roster maybe uh, talk about dev camp what do what do you typically see as a fan uh in case one of our fans wants to go there russ yeah dev camp's a lot of fun i mean if you get a look at a lot of these prospects that we've been talking about especially with the kings i mean it's been nothing but prospect talk for the last like five or so years so you finally get to see some of those uh players that you hear about but i mean first couple days kind of just practicing running some drills uh i think the forward or defenseman is a defenseman go first they go first tomorrow okay so yeah 9 30 forwards jump on at 11 um they have scrimmages every now and then at three um i think they only do it a couple days um but i I would highly recommend if you if you can only make it to one day just go on monday at 9 a.m if you can because they have a, a scrimmage that they pretty much set up like an actual game they have referees there they have breaks, face-offs, all the, all the fun stuff. So if you're a fan of the Kings and you want to see these prospects head out to Dev Camp, try to make it a Monday at 9 a.m. when they have scrimmage. So uh, I think, Kyle, you'll be there on Monday, right? I'll be there Thursday. I'm going to leave early Friday because um, I have somewhere to be in the evening, so i got to get out early. But I'll be there Monday. I won't be there over the weekend. Got to take some time off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure yeah, I'll, yeah i'm gonna be there tomorrow um try to get there i'm gonna get there on friday too i'm not sure if i'll make it over the weekend but definitely gonna be there monday um so yeah it should be a lot of fun let's get into the roster here and see some of these players that uh that fans come out and see these high draft picks uh, francisco pinelli the italian stallion is going to be out there martin chromiak uh jared wright ryan comney jack hughes right play a lot second second round pick played in played in college so try to see him a little bit again Maxime, Alex uh, Hordier, Ben Steves, Kenny Connors, all the way back from Finland again, at two Jamson, uh, Laferriere, Samuel Hellenius. Uh, one of my favorite prospects that hasn't really touched ground in the U.S. Uh, is Casper Simon Tyball is going to be there. Caleb Lawrence, Kohan Zemer. Uh, on the defensive side, you got Mania. You got Dvorak. You're going to have uh, Krieger, Pauls, Jack Sparks, Otto Slotin, or Slotin. Uh, but my man, the myth, the legend, uh, Brent Clark will be there. So if you want to uh, see yourself uh, of the unicorn in pu- in public, uh, get yourself down to the arena. Goaltend- a goaltender is going to be interesting. Third round, or third guy, or guy trade for with a third pick. Uh, third round pick, Eric Portillo is going to be there, and newly drafted goaltender Hampton, uh, as well as another goalie from uh, Michigan. He's going to be a camp invite. So lots of big names, lots of stuff to see. 
what are you guys what is maybe might be some of your guys' favorite players to see and maybe is is there some stuff that we can kind of take away from Dev Camper are you interested to see about a certain player I think the player that you just mentioned that I think we're all kind of interested to see is Casper Simon Tyball it's just you've heard so much hype about this player I mean myself especially um we see him at the World Juniors playing for Finland just seems like a goal scorer um so yeah this is going to be the first time I believe he's coming over in in Los Angeles so I'm excited to see what Simon Tyball could bring cuz I mean you you just see him scoring goals I just want to see him play like in these kind of games and amongst like his age group and see how it can bear and fair. I mean, it's not necessarily that and like you, you asked is like, what can you take away from it? You know, of course you're not going to just obviously think about what a player, what his potential could be just from dev cam, but Hey, who knows? Maybe a player lights it up a little bit. I remember last year when I was talking about Alex, the Ferrier. he was one of my favorite players to watch. He just lit up the ice every time he was on it. And sure enough, he gets signed to an entry level contract just a couple months later. So yeah, I mean, it's not much you can take of it, but it certainly can bring a little bit of entertainment to the to the Kings a little bit. Yeah, I would say my pick, um, I have a couple, but I'll go with the first one is um, Penelli. After the seeing the season he had with the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL, I've been really looking forward to seeing him turn pro this year just because he can kill penalties, he can score, and he can dish the puck. So I'm looking really forward Looking forward to seeing him. Alex LaFerry is another one. Um, this is actually my first time going to development camp. So it's all this is all like a kid in the candy store for me. It's all brand new. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking forward to it. But there's quite quite a bit of players. Even um Otto Saline, I think that's his last name. I'm looking forward to him. I know he hasn't um touched base in the US yet, but I'm looking forward to to those three for sure. I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see how Portillo does. Like, I, I there's, I, I think this is a big, big adjustment year for him coming out of college and for his size and the way he plays. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes for him. But, but really, I'm, I want to see the guys that could potentially maybe knock on the door this year. Like, I'm looking at a Laferriere. I'm looking at a Chromiak as guys that are they ready if the Kings do need somebody else? I mean, we know Fagimo's knocking on the door. Injuries happen. Like one thing that the Kings did lose in the trade with Pierre-Luc Dubois is they lost a lot of depth in terms of like I think the team's deeper in terms of quality down the lineup, but they've lost depth in terms of the amount of players if there's an injury or something something like that. So is a guy like Laferriere able to step in? Is Chromac able to step in? So I'm I'm really curious to see how these guys look in Dev Camp. Um, and as Russ, you mentioned, like this is the second year for a couple of them. So I, I want to see how they look uh, in this. I think my number one is probably going to be Portillo. Um, just because I think the goalie prospect pool is weak, right? They didn't resign Villalta. We don't really know what we have in England. He had a back surgery last year. Uh, big injury. Have they signed so him yet? Have they signed uh, him yet? Jacob, Jacob Ingham? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they did. Um and so you're looking at a lot of unknown within the, the, the prospect pool there. So Portillo was traded to be a, a guy for the team um, and see what they can get out of him. And so I, I just kind of see – I just want to see him – not that he needs to take over the whole dead camp. I just want to make sure that he looks in that place with amongst his peers because uh, there's going to be a lot of firepower shooting at him. I mean, that forward group is pretty nasty, so I'm not expecting him to blank anybody. But uh, just you know, making sure that he's not looking at a place there. 
I will say, I will say, you mentioned his name, and I want to just at least give a shout, Matt Valalta. You said he's he's uh, he's off now. Uh, the Kings did not bring him back to the organization. He's off in Arizona. You know, he had a good a good run with the rain for a few years. And I know Russ, you, you talked a lot about hoping to maybe see him last year. And it just really looked like the, the fit wasn't going to be here. He wasn't going to get the opportunity here. So I just want you know, best of luck to him. He was a guest Brandon for you and I, he was an incredible kid to talk to. And I, and I wish nothing but the best for him. He was a, uh, again, by all accounts, a, a great, great kid on and off the ice. So um, hope he does well in Arizona and gets a shot in the NHL. I will say for Velalta, it was it was a rough season from not performance wise, but just what happened with um, the Cal Peterson situation. It really took, unfortunately, took starts away from him, and then I think the trade for Portillo kind of kind of pushed him out the door a bit there, signifying that you know he's higher up on him on the depth chart in the future. So um, it sucks. Um, he's from what I've seen in the interviews with Jared Schaffrin on the Rain YouTube channel after games that he's like. It's a very good person. He works really hard. And I remember the la- his last start was the season finale. All the players off the bench and a losing effort came on and like gave him like some pats on the head and like some hugs. Cause it was a hard, it was a hard season for him. He lo- he went from the starter to completely just the backup because they had to work on Cal Pearson's game. So I mean it sucks. Hopefully he gets a few games in on in, not in Ontario, um Arizona or Arizona. So hopefully he get he gets a couple of NHL games there because they won't be contending. So maybe if there's any injuries or any trades that he gets, he gets a shot. Yeah, I think we'll be a, a lot of Kings fans will be paying attention to Arizona and what they do, especially with Sean Dersey there. He's projected to be their number one right shot defenseman in the lineup, which I've always been a Sean Dersey guy, so I would expect him to put up a lot of points, maybe make a few blunders here and there. And also, like you mentioned with Velalta, hopefully he gets a couple games. But I know a couple of people are asking if we're going to be live streaming or posting. Yeah, I'll be posting as many videos as I can um and then on monday for the scrimmage my plan right now and hopefully kyle can help me out my plan right now is to live stream the scrimmage if the team isn't doing so because i mean i'm a fan you guys are all fans we want to watch as much content as we can obviously this is the last activity that's gonna be going on for a couple months here in the summer so i mean it's a little disappointing when you don't see the team like put like these type of games online it just seems like such an easy thing to do so if they're not going to do it i'm going to try to do do our best to get it on the hockey royalty youtube page and get as much content out there for you guys um maybe we'll do a little bit of announcing i don't know i'm just going to try to be doing it for my phone so don't expect like some valley sports west hd <laughs> or anything like that alex faust is going to come by or anything like that so but yeah it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun and then um yeah one player i think we just got to talk about is would be interesting to watch in this during this week is Brant Clark. I'm really curious to see his confidence at level at this uh these next couple days here. I mean, if he I mean, we saw we've seen his confidence obviously be uh be shown during his short time with Los Angeles, but now that he's coming in with a year under his belt, he's got a couple NHL games uh, playing. He's going to be coming in knowing that he's probably the best prospect in the Kings system, so I'm curious to see how he fares going up against some of these other prospects and also how some of the other prospects fare against him, knowing that he's probably the competition to beat out. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to watch in these uh, little scrimmages here. Yeah. Lieb, be Lieb really wants fun. you to see if you can mic up Brant Clark for your, uh, for your television. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, I would always love to like, I mean, it's a, 
it's weird because I make the same comparison like Drew Doughty. Like you don't you don't need to you you can close your eyes and you can know when Brant Clark's on the ice because you can just hear him talking. And that's how Drew Doughty's always been. You just close your eyes and you know Drew Doughty's playing because it's constantly just chattering on the ice, calling for the puck or whatnot. So yeah, I mean Brant Clark, awesome interview, awesome on the ice, and certainly a great player. So that'll be fun. I just love the swagger he has. Just that has that chip on his shoulder. Like he knows he's the best player. You just I don't think we have a prospect like that for a very long time. Uh, he's he's my favorite. He's my baby boy. <laughs> Um, well, I think that's going to do it for us here at Hockey Royalty. You can find all of our articles at HockeyRoyalty.com. Please follow us at Hockey underscore Royalty, at Randall Commando 24, at JW Paterino, at NHL Russell, and at Kopitar 4HOF to get all your Kings and Rain news. Dev Camp starting tomorrow, so go out and check that out. Uh, be glued to Twitter uh, unless there is uh, swiping requirements for, uh, for Elon Musk. Uh, that come up tomorrow, uh, then then maybe you have to might have to wait for the the paper trail to come out. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chat. We were strong. Thank you guys for coming here. Please smash that like button. Uh, really appreciate you guys doing this, and uh, I'm excited to see what content comes out next week uh, from from Dev Camp, and we can talk about it here on the pod. As always on this podcast, go Kings, go. <laughs>